0: everyone, welcome to the Delta Flyers. We are a weekly podcast that discusses episodes of Star Trek Voyager in chronological order. Your two fabulous hosts along this podcast journey are myself, Garrett Wong, AKA Ensign Harry Kim, and Robert Duncan McNeil, who portrayed Lieutenant Thomas Eugene Paris. If you're interested in either an extended version of this podcast or the extended video version of this podcast, both of which include added fantastic bonus segments. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the Delta Flyers and sign up to become a patron.
1: Wow. That was a really... I don't know exactly how how to capture the spirit of that one. That was like... It was a sensitive introduction. It was a very it was a very sensitive heartfelt <laughs> introduction
0: yeah you know you know my yeah. <laughs> what inspired me was yeah. there's a whole segment out there of of um recordings audio recordings and I, yeah. I can't remember how they refer to them where and it's mostly women and they sit there and they say like i'm going to brush my hair and you hear like this oh, very yeah. like <laughs> it's very it's very relaxed what is it emd there's a there's a there's a there's a name for it, it. Yeah. yeah there's a name for people it people
1: that are like Either sexually aroused by, by like sound pops, like yes, the yes. sound
0: of. Uh, but it's yes. not just sexually. Yes. It's just it's it's, it's just also relaxed, soothing too. It's soothing relaxing. Soothing
1: or something like that. Right. Yeah. So I thought I Feel maybe like I might like, be sound popping a little too much. All right, working. Whoa. 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 Okay. <laughs> ah. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're good. We're good to go good it's corona quarantine 2020 <laughs> and here we are everything's falling apart but we've got the delta flyers podcast so what could
0: be so bad that's not falling apart
1: no matter what the delta flyers podcast will survive
0: we are surviving i i, I am a little bit perturbed that you got a new green screen without actually consulting me you're right your, you know what rebecca ordered
1: it she ordered it because we're we're hitting the road in a couple of weeks from Atlanta in the RV. We're heading up to British Columbia and Vancouver. Yes. We're yes. going to hopefully take a little slower trip than, than we did last year, but I'm heading back to work.
0: Yes. So I'll okay. be up
1: there starting my quarantine and I need travel green
0: screen. Right. That's what I I understand that. And I'm going to now help everyone else out there who's watching this and have decided they want to do some type of podcasting or gaming or whatever Twitch and they need a good green screen. I'm gonna recommend you the green screen, which I should have recommended, Robbie. It's with a company called Valera, V-A-L-E-R-A, and they are portable, ultra portable. And we are not they're cool. not
1: sponsoring the show. They are not by the way. sponsoring the show. I'm so, just trying
0: to I'm just retroactively trying to just... I'd like to get a couple
1: bucks from them for this advertisement yeah. for Valera. <laughs> because you
0: know I, could, I, just, I don't
1: even know what brand mine is i'm gonna look no gonna...
0: i i have that the, the, the green screen you have now is your second green screen that is was it? my first green screen that i bought for alpha quadrant and the issue with that is it's not exactly wide enough because yeah. you have to really adjust it and it has to be really up close to you because like right now your head is bigger than mine because you have to pull you've got to be closer i'm going to come back oh. here. the problem is if i come back
1: here though now, see, this is all the, this is behind the curtain. You guys are seeing all the behind the curtain. See, now I gotta bring my microphone way up here because I'll be too far away and then Jesse will get mad at me. And, okay, that's and what happened
0: to your what happened to your vertical orientation of your microphone? Remember that it was supposed now to be up there.
1: It. It's everything's different because of the non-Volera <laughs> green screen that I, that I ordered. We're trying
0: to be consistent here, like but you know what it is? you're spontaneous like with with the microphone, you didn't listen I to my go. recommendation. you just quickly on yep. Amazon ordered your blue ad yeti without even consulting Garrett. I am the operations officer. you are the spontaneous pilot, and as the spontaneous pilot on yes. Voyager, you just sort of go and do I it got, yeah I got Whether, react
1: I can you think. react I just gotta react yes. yeah there's a there's a plasma field up ahead I just gotta
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: fly you through know it. what
0: damn the consequences damn right? the consequences. it doesn't even matter
1: you don't have time to research you, you know don't. whether that you don't. Uh, that subspace <laughs> anomaly in front of us is going to you know blow us up i just got to react i got to fly i got to figure it out right
0: Right. And I'm going to and I'm going to say that I'm not going to criticize or judge you for that, but I am going to to take this time to yes. like I said, I'm not pitch we're not being paid for this pitch. I just want people to know I've spent the time, I've done the due diligence, I've looked at all the green screens. And this company started by a father and son in California. It's kind of cool, you know, the son was like, "Dad, you know, I need a better green screen." And they 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 just started a company and that's wow. what they do. So, nice. and it's just super portable. They were totally out of stock at when I first tried to order and so um it they're very popular. So okay. that's, you know, so maybe maybe you did the right move in that if you did try my recommendation, you may not have gotten it in time to go on your road trip. Might still so, be waiting on it. Exactly. Okay. Okay. So, um hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in (laughs) (laughs) for everybody (laughs) for everybody who happens to be a patreon patron we are about to play a little game of what do we remember stay tuned while robbie and i go watch elogium thanks guys hey guys we are back from our review, or at least our watching, not the review, but our watching of the episode. Yes. Elogium. We have successfully
1: Elogium. viewed the episode
0: Elogium. Um, um, before I ask you for a synopsis, I just wanna, yes. we, we kind of talked about this briefly in the intro, we talked about that, um, those quiet videos. I did a little research on that, that's why it took a little longer to get back to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it is called ASMR, ASMR. Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response. Mm. Um, So they're talking about ASMR, the world of ASMR. In this corner of the internet, dozens of video makers record themselves doing something as simple as whispering to elaborate sci-fi role plays and developing storylines about time travel and demons and millions of viewers gobble it all up. Um, So what is ASMR? ASMR is the term for the sensation people get when they watch stimulating videos or take part in other activities, usually ones that involve personal attention. Many people describe the feeling as tingles that run through the back of someone's head and spine. Others say the feeling is deeply Mm. relaxing and can even cause them to fall asleep. Although the term ASMR may sound very technical, there's actually no good science or research behind the phenomenon. The term is believed to have been coined in 2010 by Jennifer Allen, who started a Facebook group dedicated to finding out more about it. The term quickly caught on as people finally had a way to reference the pleasurable feeling they had been experiencing. So how does ASMR work? ASMR varies greatly from person to person. Some, perhaps most, people don't get it at all. And the science on ASMR is basically non-existent. So our understanding of it is so far based on anecdotes from around the internet, people get the um, feeling of ASMR from various triggers. Some people enjoy role plays in which someone gives close personal attention and whispers, while others like videos that show incredibly mundane tasks, such as spraying a water bottle, tapping, stirring a bowl of soup, or crinkling wrapping paper. Others Mm. are triggered by more elaborate role plays, which can vary from someone acting like a doctor, hello, I'm the doctor to getting a haircut. <laughs> I tend to prefer simpler videos, which I find very soothing and, and tingle inducing. The feeling isn't usually sexual, although some people are triggered by videos that appear sexual. Others that I have talked to experience AS- ASMR emphasized uh, that the tingles and feelings of relax- relaxation have nothing to do with sex, but ASMR is a little similar to sexual turn-ons in that some people are very specific in what they like, and many people tend to grow tired of experiencing the same thing over and over. Um, Maria, who oversees the Gentle Whispering channel, which has more than 1.3 million subscribers on YouTube. That's a lot of subscribers. Gentle by phone. Gentle Whispering. whispering. whispering channel. Yes, on Gentle Whispering. Oh, she told me by phone in 2015 that people's experiences can even vary by the day or depending on their mood. I've noticed that one day you'll be more sensitive toward role playing than another. You'll be more sensitive to swishing sounds, she said. It really varies. People also appear to grow tolerant of triggers if they listen or watch them too much. So it's important for ASMR video makers to keep things fresh and for viewers to make sure they don't overplay that wow. one amazingly tingly video.
1: I had no idea. So I sort of knew what you were talking about. I feel like I I heard a news article or read a news article or something about people being stimulated. And I thought it was sexually, but maybe it's just less that than just generally sort of aroused or relaxed in some way or triggered. Like, like you said, goosebumps. I've heard of this thing. Yeah. It's crazy that it's that big. And it's also crazy that it only got sort of, categorized in 2010 or whenever they said this lady uh, sort of coined the phrase.
0: Yeah. Wow. And I'm going to say that Voyager was, you know, Voyager episodes are kind of almost like the original ASMR videos because there's so many people that are insomniacs that tell me at conventions that they have to have Voyager running, in the mm. background for them to even fall asleep. You wow! Know? Not to saying that, not to say that our content is boring, but it's just that it soothes them, it calms them, and helps them go to sleep. We had a video, uh, we had a um, admiral's chat recently, and do you recall one of our admirals talking about how, um, Janeway's voice sounds so much like his. Uh, mother's voice yes i do and that and that that it helps him relax when he watches voyager well it's also it's
1: also interesting that so when you make a television show you film the the picture the photographs that people see Mm -hmm. but you also record the dialogue and often when you're making a tv show you're recording dialogue and there's traffic noise if you're on the street or there's you know if you're supposed to if the scene is set in a newspaper office there's lots of noise in the office or You know, a coffee shop, there's lots of noise. They were very uh, militant about uh, Voyager and the sound being completely like space, like a vacuum, that the ship would not have footsteps, you would not hear footsteps, you would not hear noise. That's why there was carpet everywhere. That's why the sets were built so sturdily, is because Rick Berman and the producers in the studio felt like the spaceship should not have any of that Uh, extraneous noise, Mm. that it would be silent like space. Like in space, it would really, you wouldn't hear, you might hear the hum of the engine, but you wouldn't hear distracting noises. And I I wonder if like what you're describing, this, this um, ASMR syndrome or whatever Mm. this, this this characteristic, if that's our, our show sort of, falls into something that's very relaxing and very precise because there was no, you know, uh, office noise. There was no clanking and rumbling. There weren't even footsteps of people walking around. It was very specific and very precise. And I remember the sound in our sound department, uh, Greg Agosoft was our boom operator for most of the series. They were very, uh, had very high standards about getting precise sound. So I wonder if that has anything to do with the relaxing quality of our show that somehow subconsciously it sort of stimulates this very calm, safe, quiet world in some way.
0: I think it does. So let's go ahead and give everybody the uh, quick synopsis, Uh, you know, off the cuff. Okay, Elogium.
1: This is an episode, uh, the Delta, uh, the the Voyager, not the Delta Flyers, that's us. (laughs) The Voyager. Is still in the Delta Quadrant, heading home, and it uh, it starts off with a little introduction of crew um, extracurricular activities. The, the Chicote walks into it, a turbo lift. The door opens, and a and a couple is making out in the turbo lift, and uh, and he sort of notices this. Ends up talking with Janeway about you know maybe we should maybe we should uh, encourage some fraternization. They also stumble upon a uh, a swarm of these unusual aliens kind of uh, swarming around in space and, and they go to investigate. And while they go to investigate, we see that Kess is starting to have some sort of strange behavior. She's eating lots of food, eating, eating, eating everything she can. Turns out that she's actually experiencing um, the mating cycle, the, the uh, fertile period that the Ocampans go through. Turns out once in their life, uh, usually around the age of five or so, they uh, become fertile and they mate and they have baby, a baby once in their life. And that's happening to her much too early. And uh, they realize in the ship that it might have something to do with this swarm of aliens that's also behaving strangely with the ship. And they're sort of misinterpreting the ship as a mate. And they suck it into their swarm and, uh, and they're trying to mate with it. Long story short, turns out in my short synopsis, I'll say that uh, Voyager has to figure out a way to uh, trick the, the swarm of aliens into realizing that the ship itself is not a mate and focus your attention elsewhere. Go mate with somebody else so that they can escape. And uh, Kess and Neelix together have to face a decision of whether or not to have a child and to mate and to become parents. Uh, very prematurely, that they weren't expecting to have to make this decision, they have to face that decision. That's a synopsis, it's about love and sex and being out in space, and what do you do?
0: How's that? All right, man, Uh, I'll take that, that's okay. That's a longer synopsis. Yeah, it was longer than I thought. I was going into it. I thought I I was going to make it real short. but That's okay. So I'm going to haiku this one. My haiku synopsis, once again, everyone, it's five syllables, seven syllables, and five syllables. And of course, you don't have to rhyme. If you do end up rhyming at the end, great. But if you don't, it doesn't matter. It's just five, seven, five. So let's do it. S can't stop eating. Neelix always worrying. Swarm was the culprit. Ah, nice. Thank you. The haiku. The haiku. The haiku. The, I, you know, I prefer
1: the haiku. Do you... Well, I prefer the haiku because I kind of scramble around grasping it, trying to make some linear sense of it all and make sure I don't forget any detail. The haiku, the whole point of the haiku is it shouldn't have detail. It's it just true. Be like one simple idea. So, but I like your
0: more detailed synopsis because as we do this more, you will get better at this. Well, you you also not. will become more <laughs> Probably not. Okay, all right, maybe not. But I think that you yeah. would end up becoming more succinct or better at it. But maybe. some people would some people prefer more detailed synopsis. They want to know full like for instance, we when we read that when we, when I read that Netflix one liner, good yeah. lord. That doesn't tell us anything. No, who the main players are in this nope. episode—you don't know anything. So yours is the most detailed, and then mine is the art—the artist's, you know, yes, view yes. of it. The more artistic, um, yes, the impressionistic synopsis. version. Yes, the impressionistic yeah, version. of I like the it.
1: It's funny because uh, speaking of that Netflix review and our in mm-hmm. our pre-show where we tried to remember something, I, w- I was on to something. I was on to something with cast. It was a cast story.
0: Yes. Yes. So yes. there you go. You're right. Cast, You're right. There
1: was some cast in there. I was onto something that Neelix probably had something to do with that because Ethan Phillips always talked about elogium. Yeah. We'd always make some funny jokes about it. Elog- yeah. He would always refer to this episode and oh, yeah. I don't remember it, but I figured it was a, that meant it was a big Neelix episode. Yeah. Probably cast. Yeah. Um,
0: and I was so. right to guess that there was jealousy involved as, as usual. you were once yes. again. It happened. Yep. It You're happened.
1: absolutely right. Yeah, so we were, even though we were kind of uh, ignorant, pretty much didn't know anything, we sort of guessed pretty good in our, you know, we kind of wandered into something there. So
0: we did. Um, Yeah. I I just want to start off by saying that I love how, in the opening scene, I love how um, Chicote refers to the makeout session as indiscreet shipboard fraternization which is such a techno babble way to say oh, yeah. making out. Like making he's just, out.
1: Yeah. And so There's, now. Yeah. By the way, I think Chakotay had the best lines a number of times in this episode. We'll get yeah. to that. But he had some amazing lines. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe he pulled that off of the straight
0: So for all of our listeners who happen to be serving in the U.S. Navy at this time, or anybody in the world that happens to be serving in a Navy for their country that are listening to this, you can now refer to making out with another, you know, uh, crew member as indiscreet shipboard fraternization you yeah. could say hey are you up for some isf and they're like isf what is that indiscreet shipboard fraternization <laughs> so I, I just think it's kind of cute you know? yeah uh, i also yes. may note robbie you show up 25 seconds into the episode that's I your know. first line your first line yeah. is 25 seconds i yeah. know i came in pretty fast although you're kind of creepy because you you respond yes. saying like but I missed it, dead gummit. I really wanted to watch the make out. Remember that? Sorry I yeah. missed it, is what you say. So I thought
1: I had a funny face as the door shut and, and uh, you know, as the door shut with Chakotay and we're in the turbo left. I mean, yeah, I, I'm, I always am a big fan of when our show has humor and they're yeah. funny. I thought, I actually thought that early on, um, Jennifer Lean, did some really funny stuff. Like when we didn't know oh, what yeah. was going on, like her expressions and her, her sort of over, overblown eating of the food and stuff, I found to be really funny. And I never, I never remembered that Jennifer Lean was, a, I don't think of her as a comic actress. I didn't think of that character as ever being funny. And I was actually early on like, oh my God, she's really funny. Like that's
0: uh, pretty goofy. Yeah. So impressed by her. Yeah. Um- comedic skills and just that whole scene with her munching on the food. I mean, it was great. It was directed well, you know. Speaking of directors, this was directed by Rick Colby. Uh, Mm -hmm. Rick Colby directed this. Uh, The story was by Jimmy Diggs. Do you know Jimmy Diggs and Stephen uh, J.K.? I think you might've met Jimmy. He's sort I, of a middle-aged African-American gentleman, about six foot four. He always, uh-huh. you know, he would come by at different conventions that we were at and just say. Hey, oh it's yes, Jimmy I have Diggs. met him. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah so.
1: Jimmy Diggs um, had received, I think, a kidney transplant from someone's daughter named Samantha Wildman. Or... Oh, get out
0: of here. Really? No, I'm not kidding. story? Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah,
1: and he wanted to, that's why this character is named Samantha Wildman, uh, um, Nancy Howard's character. And I will, I will look that up again to, to try and make sure that I am correct, but yeah. Uh, the writer Jimmy Diggs decided to honor the child's memory by naming a Voyager persona after the little girl. Because the real Samantha Wildman had been fond of animals, Jimmy Diggs thus made Ensign Wildman the head of Voyager's Xenobiology department. What? Yeah.
0: What? Yeah. Oh. Her
1: character in the series is named after a real life seven-year-old girl who had died in an accident. The little girl's parents decided to donate her organs and the ailing wife, the ailing wife of one of Voyager writers received the girl's kidneys. Yeah. That's what it was. Jimmy Diggs' wife. That's really cool. I love that story. I thought that was really interesting.
0: Yep. Well, Robbie, if you, if you end up, you know, donating any of your organs to me, I'm gonna name my son, Robbie Duncan McNeil Wong. I'm just gonna use your whole entire name as his first Please name. do, please, please do. <laughs> so Jimmy Diggs and Steve K. Steve J. K. are the story uh, uh, contributors. The teleplay was by Ken Biller and Jerry Taylor, directed by Rick Colby. Um, I just wanted to go back to the scene on the bridge where Chakotay talks to Janeway. About the fraternization, yes. He brings up the kissing couple. Janeway then talks to Jakote and says that people will begin pairing off. He then asks her, "Well, does that include you too?" Now, the, during this whole conversation, if you watch this conversation, Kate looks a lot at Robert Beltran's lips, My mouth. Yes, I noticed that. Okay, Yes. Got, okay, now I'm going to bring this up. I don't. I can't recall w- if this was. Some t- Something that I saw online, I had a conversation with some somebody about this, but I had learned at one point that if you are having a conversation with somebody and you start looking at their mouth, yes. that means you are sexually attracted to that person. So if that is indeed something that is part of human behavior, mm-hmm. legitimate human behavior, then it looks like. Kate Mulgrew's giving off those vibes to Robert Beltran. I
1: totally got those, that energy. I felt like she was very flustered when Love and Mm -hmm. Sex came up. And by the way, at the end of the episode, she says to Chakotay, she says, in the future, if I ever have any questions about mating behavior, I'll know where to go, Janeway says. Yes. Yes. That's right. It seemed very clear that they had written and, and Kate Mulgrew had amplified this idea that Chakotay and, and Janeway would become an item later on. She also mentions in that same, and I'm jumping to the end, but she mentions Mark, her boyfriend back on Earth. Yeah. Um, so it's very confusing for the actor knowing how to play it.
0: I was reading some reviews from, our, from the podcast, just the, the, the general yeah. podcast, and somebody was talking about how, I like this podcast, but if Garrett keeps on doing his Janeway impersonation, you know, all bets off, like I'm not gonna listen anymore. Like literally he right. talked about my impersonation being like Too fingernails much? on a chalkboard and I'm going, oh right. try crap, yeah. okay, I'm gonna try it lighter, so.
1: Yeah, just a little less. Here we go. <clears throat>
0: yeah. In the future, if I have any questions about mating behavior, I'll know where to go. It's a little lighter.
1: It's <laughs> right? a little lighter, all right.
0: <laughs> but don't do it again,
1: because you might, you might drive away all our fans. I
0: might drive away all our fans, so I don't. <laughs> I take reviews, especially critical reviews, very seriously. I know you and take it, it very it really, personally. We've talked oh, about this. Um, yeah.
1: We've talked about oh, this. Yeah. Like when we were on the, on the show, you know, filming the show back in the olden times, um, yeah. you would go in those chat rooms and stay up all night long, like <laughs> debating with fans on the chat boards and stuff. And I, I remember oh. saying to you like, Garrett, stop going on the chat rooms. Like yeah. everybody's going to have an opinion and it just, just put your head down, to do your work.
0: It wasn't just opinions about me. I was also sticking up for like other, like if someone was bragging on Neelix, I'd be like, well, you don't understand, you know, blah, blah, blah. I was sitting here trying to defend everybody. So it was uh, was a very long, arduous process. Um, So during this whole conversation where Janeway staring at Chakotay's lips, if you watch Chakotay, he pretty much just only looks at her eyes. Only one time does he not look at her eyes and he looks at her hair. Interesting. What is that all about? Maybe, maybe just like he's just noticing that this is hairstyle number seven B, or you know, yeah, probably gone through. I'm looking years. at your hair right now. What does that mean? How do you even see my hair? I know I don't really. I don't. <laughs> yeah, what does that mean? What so does that mean? There's my hair. Whoa, whoa, Oh my gosh. What's going on? I don't want to. I don't know. Oh my goodness. Um, and so since you brought up Wildman, yeah, this my hair, the- my hair is out of control. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. Robert, and, and, please please don't scare the children stop. out there. Just <laughs> please, that covered. Yeah. Please stop. Ensign Wildman makes her first appearance here. Yes. Nancy Hauer is on the bridge. Now, Nancy Hauer, by the way, had been
1: to Juilliard. She'd gone to school at Juilliard.
0: That's right. And you were there
1: too. Yeah, I was there too. I was a little bit ahead of, of Nancy. I think I was a, one year ahead of her, although I left Juilliard in my second year, so I only really we crossed paths at Juilliard briefly for part of a year i think um, but i did stay good friends with my 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 classmates and and i went back and saw their production. so i would see nancy and a lot of other uh juilliard students that were around my my class uh over those years mm. and so it was fun to see her come in i was like oh my god you know somebody yeah. did, a face i knew i didn't know her well but it was yeah. really nice to see her uh you know people like that show up so
0: yeah yeah I would say of all our recurring um, yeah. people that showed up whether you're talking about you know Lieutenant Carey or Seska or you know yeah. um, uh, Ensign Wildman for me I think I was probably closest with Nancy Howard. oh wow! I don't know we just we just develop a friendship and nice. and I think I might have spoke about this maybe in our first episode but to this day, the best Janeway impersonation, Nancy Hauer. Really? She scared the bejesus out of me. She called as in the voice oh, yeah, of, yeah. of Kate and left a message. And it was just frantic. It was just like, you know, Garrett, it's Kate. I need to talk to you immediately. This is a very important, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I I cannot, you know, you have to call me as soon as you get this message. And I, I thought Kate was dying. I was like, what, is she in the hospital? I mean, it was scared the crap out of me. And, um... And I'm sitting here like listening to this voice film message and I'm going, oh my God, where's, do I have Kate's, which number do I have? Which, which, which where should I call her? And then at the very end of this frantic message, you hear a pause and then you hear it's Nancy. Bye. <laughs> 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 <That's>
1: <laughs> Just funny. kidding.
0: So she is, she is the best. She's at very it. funny. She went on to create a TV show called 10 items or less
1: that That's ran right. on comedy central maybe, or I can't remember what. Yeah.
0: Panel, she but, wrote and directed, like, I think a documentary that won some awards and a yeah. film. And so then she did 10 items or less. So she became a producer, basically. Yeah. So, yeah, to what she's she- a
1: very talented, very multi talented uh, actress, director, writer, comedian. Uh, yeah, Nancy's super talented.
0: And musician. Um, oh, yeah, she's in a band. I yeah, think she Were opened you for at- like,
1: who did she open for? She opened for some big rock. I can't remember.
0: Well, I don't think you made it to this party, but Brandon had a huge... Brandon Braga had a huge I blowout. I go to any party. Okay. He had a huge blowout party um, at his house with... I'm, I'm talking probably a thousand people were there. Wow. I mean, there was a lot of people. I couldn't believe how many people were there. But I get there and um, Nancy's on stage with her band. And so she's actually... Wow. I think her band was called Wench was the name wow. of it, but she was up there rocking out. And I just so impressive to see your fellow actors doing yeah. things that are creative but not acting right such yeah. as music or you know directing writing so um she's definitely a, a jackie of all trades for sure yeah. So yeah. really excited to see her in this episode her introduction and um i did not know that story that you brought up about S- samantha wildman being uh jimmy digg's you know Uh, Wives, kidney, uh, organ uh, donor, kidney donor, organ donor. Yeah, yeah. That's that's,
1: I. I just discovered that as I was trying to do some quick research on this. I also want to say that I, you know, in the in the teaser, you know, uh, Paris is helping, um, Cass bring some vegetables down to Neelix, and Neelix is very jealous, (laughs) and um, and then Paris pops back over and says, okay. See you later, or something.
0: Stay safe, or be well. What be did you well? say? I, like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know.
1: It's just like why? Why are they using him as this utility? Uh, you know, like player to to make Neelix jealous without without um, protecting Paris. Like they didn't do anything that would sort of buy back or protect. And I know there's some episodes coming up where they're gonna address this and all that. But I just find it to be like, God, I, it's like when you write a character popping back in and going, hey, I'll, I'll see you later, it's flirty. Like there's no other reason to, and, and to ignore the boyfriend. Like it's really, and it's ballsy and it's just rude. And I don't know, it's more of like that, Ugh, like he could have done the same thing and been more uh, uh, relatable if he had acknowledged the fact that Neelix was there too and Neelix is just overreacting or or if there had been a scene where they addressed it i don't know it's just they used him as a utility to get Neelix jealous and then never like protected Paris in that in that version by the way yeah. they didn't use the doctor to do the same thing when Neelix was frustrated with the doctor it was about doctoring it wasn't about the fact that Kes had spent hours and weeks with the doctor, why wasn't Neelix jealous about that? Why wasn't, you know, like why, again, I think that, you know, it just made me frustrated that they sort of leaned into this very shallow and dangerous quality of Tom Paris without, without looking at the harm that was doing. And I, and I in, immediately in the teaser was like, there they go again,
0: so. If I am hearing you correctly, it yes. sounds like you are taking offense to being used as a pawn by the writers. As a pawn that's actually harming, that, that is digging the hole for, for me as an actor
1: to have to climb back out of eventually. Yeah. And I know that he does. I know that I do right. as an actor and the character does. Yeah. But it's just like wasted, damaging time that yeah, I agree. could have not been... Um, they could have not set him up that so so badly that in such a deep hole anyway oh, I'll leave so it many
0: at the talk. so many questions for the writers when we bring a writer on don't we have yeah. uh, it's is going to be more like a uh, like the uh, inquisition we're going to be <laughs> we're right. going to be peppering them with all these questions like uh, where were you the night of the 31st when you wrote this particular scene <laughs> right. tell us right now <laughs> that's right uh, did you make a note that that teaser was a long teaser that's Very a, usually yes so wouldn't you say in general um, that was twice as long as any other teaser that we've had? Well, I, have I, mean, us, what's I have
1: us coming back into act one at 11.45. And I make a note of that because there's a little bit of an homage to the original series theme in the music. If you what? go back to about 11.45, you'll hear bom, bom, or It's It's like just a little bit of the original series theme and then it goes off. But I was like, wait a minute, what is that in the music? I think, yeah, I listened to it twice. I think it's there. I heard it at least. Wow. Um, Coming back into the first act at 1145. That's very long. Usually the the teaser's around five minutes. So that means the the first act was almost 10, was about 10 minutes or more. Oh my
0: God. I had no clue. Um, In the scene where Neelix comes into Kes's room and he's found her eating all that stuff. Um, (laughs) I love when Neelix... When he tries to hit his combat, did you catch this? He misses it. He actually hits too high, and then he looks down and he hits the right thing. And he's like, "Need to to the doctor." He did so <laughs> many. E- Ethan Phillips did so many goofy
1: things in this that sometimes he's hilarious, and sometimes I'm just like, "Oh my god, I can't believe he did that!" Like yeah. he took the lettuce in yeah. in the teaser. He took the lettuce in the kitchen yeah. and he breaks it in half at one point. Yeah, yeah. And, and then. He did something when she walked out where he hit himself in the face with a lettuce. Yeah, and he, well, goes, he was ow, ow! <laughs> like the lettuce hurt his face. I was like, <laughs> oh my god, I can't believe you're trying to get a joke out of lettuce hurting your face. Like that's that's
0: just too too far. Yeah, he was pushing it at that point. So I, I would have left it with just missing the comm badge. That makes sense. I mean, that's happened to me that's before. That's funny. I don't know if that's, has that happened to you before, where you're yeah, trying to hit your combat and you could I missed, I missed it. it. Yeah, yeah. They should have just yeah. made a larger comm badge, you know, yep. like the size of a Frisbee. Then nobody will miss it. It's just a big, yep. big button. She says, I just wish you could trust me. And then Neelix responds with, it has nothing to do with trusting you. It's him I don't trust which is the age old you yep. know jealous person's explanation for everything because if you yeah. do trust the person you're not going to get you're not going to flip out and become jealous right you're going to trust that that person is able to fend off any advances from that other well this is suitor. what I'm,
1: this is what i'm saying is like if if neelix if it was about neelix jealous neelix's jealousy then he would have been just as jealous of the doctor. He would have been just as jealous as anyone else. Yeah. But what they really were writing was that there is an actual character defect in Tom Paris mm. that he cannot be trusted around women. And yeah. that's a really unlikable quality to, for them to hammer home episode after episode after episode. It's right. not likable. I don't know why they continued to play that same note. Yeah,
0: okay. I'm going to play devil's advocate and I'm going to say right now that I think a lot of the viewers are probably, they can see your, they will be able to see your side of this, but I don't think anybody's going to go like, oh God, Tom Paris was definitely the most unlikable character on Voyager. I don't think that's going to come out of their mouths. And I think that as human beings, we tend to be so self-critical and much more critical of our own issues than yeah, anybody true. else watching it. That's so I true. want you as a human being to not get too worked up about that. And I yeah. know you won't, but I'm just saying you know, that people probably looking and going, yeah, I yeah. still like Tom, you know, yeah. regardless.
1: I thought, by the way, when when Neelix discovered the, bol- the extra bowls in her room, that he was yeah. going to go, oh, Paris has been in here having dinner with you. You're hiding. <laughs> like, I immediately <laughs> thought, oh, they're going <laughs> to (laughs)
0: That's because you're so touchy about it. That's right. I I, I would love to ask Jennifer Lane if that was her idea to eat the flowers at the end, because that that was the best comedic moment in a while that I've seen. It was very funny. Oh my God! Because I don't see Rick Colby telling her to do that. I almost feel like that was very
1: funny. Her her... performances—she got picked up and whisked out of the room—was the best. Very physical, physical comedy, and all of that. Like she committed to it, and it was funny. I thought she was awesome. Oh, I loved it. By the way, we skipped over when she ate those bugs in the hydroponics bay. Yes. Oh my God. I I felt like I saw that coming and my spine was already starting to cringe. (laughs) And I saw her hand reach over to that thing of bugs. And I think obviously I would assume what they did was they had a real thing of bugs. And I do remember they had a bug wrangler. Like when you have animals and dogs and things like that on set, you have a dog trainer or you have a snake handler or whatever. We yeah. had a bug handler. We had an animal guy that was doing the bugs. Yeah, I remember that on set. And Jennifer was very good with those bugs, by the way. I remember when we shot.
0: She yeah. wasn't freaked out or anything. Do you think that that was the one that she actually puts in her mouth? That has to. That had to have been a fake. bug, yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. the prop. The props department would have come up with one rubber one or one fake little plastic. I think
1: bug. they. I think they got something edible and made it look sort of like a bug. If, yeah. You Know and they, they had her reach over to real bugs in the side shot, yeah, and reach into a, a bowl of real bugs and pick them up. And then they cut to the front shot where she had, you know, fake, I don't know, whatever she had
0: probably a the- prune, a prune, probably, yeah, it could have been know. something
1: like that. And she mm-hmm. just a- a- ate those, and okay. that's probably how she did
0: it. When Neelix tastes the mashed potatoes with butter, and he's like, ooh but that's and we're wondering maybe his taste buds are different than Kess's, but yeah. then we realize Kess has mixed her mashed potatoes with. Dirt. dirt. So that's why he had that <laughs> reaction. Yep. Dirt mashed potatoes, mmm, yummy. Yep.
1: Yeah, it was a great scene. We come back and Janeway is trying to figure out what to do about these uh, these swarming uh, alien life forms outside. They can't seem to, they've sort of been, at this point, um, sucked into the swarm, and they don't know how to get out without hurting. You know, Janeway is really, this. the whole rest of the episode is very concerned with using the, the ship's engines to get out so she doesn't want to go to warp or impulse or anything that might harm these aliens. And I struggled with that because we did come close to them to, to do some analysis, but they're the ones that sort of brought us in. So part of me is like, why? Like we didn't invade their territory. They sort of made this move. I just found that her whole Janeway's principle of I'm, you know, we, we are the ones that are invading this swarm and, and she was willing to risk crew members and all kinds of things yeah. um, on that principle. It's a, yeah. it's a quality that I struggle with as I watch these episodes, these rewatches. I feel like uh, often, like I felt like Balana was absolute, she was the first, Balana was the first one to go, this is an aggressive situation. We, we need to be aggressive. And the yeah. captain was like, no. And then eventually even Tuvok says, you know, Bolana may be right. Like this is, we're going to have to defend ourselves. And and Janeway just did not want to do anything. So let's talk about the scene with the doctor and Neelix to talk about aggression and de-escalation. So yeah. Neelix wants some answers and he wants the doctor to do something. And they're trying to solve what's going on, why she's eating all this food. And right. the doctor thinks that there's a, Maybe a vitamin deficiency, and that's why she's the increased electrophoric activity could be the cause of this. So they're making the first connection to this alien swarm and and Kes's, uh behavior. And Neelix is getting more and more escalated, and the doctor finally kicks him out and says, "I'm going to call security." Yeah. So there was an escalation, and did the doctor should the doctor have? Uh, listen to Neelix or did he make the right call getting him out
0: of there? He made the right call. He de-escalated it by kicking him out. But if you watch before that, what happens, he, he escalates with him. And I made a note. This is the first time the doctor yelled at anybody like that. Yeah. Cause like Neelix got louder and louder with each, successive you know, yeah. um, plea to the doctor, like, this is my wife, my, my mm-hmm. sweeting, my sweeting needs help. And, and then he's not getting the answer he wants and the doctor then kind of matches his level. Yeah, it right? was a very louder. heightened,
1: very, yeah. very um, escalated scene. Right, generally. right
0: which yeah. you would assume would then go into fisticuffs, right? But then, of course, if that really did happen, Neelix would swing and miss, just like you slapped the doctor in that one episode <laughs> and completely missed his face, right? So, um, yes, so the es- de-escalation happened finally when the doctor just said, just get out. Uh, I'm yeah. gonna." Have-. And Neelix didn't ex- accept that. He's like, you can't tell me to do-, to do that. He's like, yes, I can. This is my sick bay, yeah. I can tell you. Um, by the way, the word sweeting that he uses, yes. have you ever heard that used in it modern? It sounds
1: very um, old fashioned, almost like yeah. from, you know, Shakespearean times or
0: something, which I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's cute. Like some old English novel or something. Yeah. Like that. But yeah. Sweeting to me, I've never heard that before used in, in modern conversation or yeah. vocabulary. So I just wanted to know if you also knew anything of that.
1: I did not. So, uh, Neelix goes on the bridge and tries to tell the captain that, you know, I got kicked out and, uh, and you need to do something about this. And while he's explaining to the captain, the doctor pipes in and says, you need to get down here. Yeah. So the, the doctor, uh, uh, is, is there in sickbay. the captain and Neelix go down and they see that Kess has locked herself in the office and has put up a force field and won't let anybody in and they can't yeah. talk her down. And her mascara's running and she's sweating and she's <laughs> climbing mascara. around. She's climbing around on the top of the desk. And, and uh, yeah, what did you think about that?
0: Well, the first thing I got was a uh, good job by Jennifer Lean and create as an actress creating this state of just chaos. Um, yeah. But then when the force field is dropped and Janeway goes in, and she, it's just such a curious scene because like boy janeway doesn't know she has no clue what Kess is going through what if this is some type of murderous rage that she's going through and so she just walks right in opens her arms out right and mm-hmm. Kess jumps into her arms and the first thing i notice after they separate from the embrace is jennifer lean leaves this huge makeup stain on janeway's um uniform right, <laughs> right there on the shoulder and it's just very visible, that you can see it's the same color that's used, uh, her base applied onto her face. That makeup is just smeared, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah.
1: That sweaty makeup choice, the runny mascara, I don't know how else to put it. I felt like that was a mistake, I've gotta be honest. I think Jennifer Lean was doing some great acting and things like that, but it was so um, unpleasant and unappealing. You know, it's it's like makeup, running makeup. It's just strange for an alien to have runny makeup. Um, the sweating, it just seemed too, I, I don't know. I would have honestly gone with, oh, when she's going through this process, she gets more glowy. Like maybe her hair gets mussed up and maybe she's shiny, but she's not sweating. She's not, she actually is more like, red around the cheeks or something you know more
0: like blushing
1: more blushing or i I think that would have been a much more it would have been funnier when things were supposed to be funny uh she would have you know i think the storyline of saying like we've got to do this now we've got to mate i just think all around it would have been a more palatable version of that story something about her getting so i don't know it's interesting because I was thinking, all right, if this happens, you know, once in an O'Compen's lifetime it happens every five years and it's this dramatic and this ugly, like why would this race even be around? Like, <laughs> like who's, who wants to get involved in this? It's just it's not, whereas it, it, there should be something about it that when she says to, to Neelix, like, it's a lot, it's intense, our mating ritual is 50 hours long. I'm going to have to glue myself to you and, and we're going to have a kid and everything but it should be, there should be some appeal to it as well. It shouldn't all be, it just felt like, oh, she's sweating and her makeup's running and she's falling apart. It's like, why is that negative that she's having this beautiful once in a lifetime thing? It's happening early. She could be reacting to it with panic. She could be reacting, but it should be a beautiful, dramatically wonderful once in a lifetime thing, rather than this oh my God, I'm eating bugs and I'm sweating and my makeup's running and I'm climbing on tables. And I don't know, it's something about that choice of making it so, I, I guess I would say in the negative rather than the positive. Why couldn't that? And speaking of that, by the way, I just want to say when that giant alien uh, shows up in the swarm and is now fighting for the attention of all the smaller aliens that think Voyager, the ship, is, is who they need to mate with, they keep referring to this dominant sexual other alien as he, why couldn't Mm. it have been a she? Like, why, why do we fall into certain assumptions and stereotypes? Like, and I'm just going to say it like the crazy, you know, uh, Cass is having her period or whatever. And so she looks crazy and she's a mess and she's Mm -hmm. hyper emotional. And why Mm -hmm. can't she be, why can't that be a wonderful thing? Why do we have to fall into that stereotype uh, that, you know, that, that narrative of you know, there's a lot of things that Star Trek does so well, and starts to open up a new narrative about something, but then taking on all these other tropes that are so we've seen it so many times before. I feel like it could have been a better version of that cast story. Could have been a better version of this alien, who's a she. Maybe the dominant female here is a she. It would have been a simple change. It wouldn't have changed anything else in the story. But in the one Star Trek show that has a female captain, it would have been a an important change, I think.
0: And just to amend what you just said to the yeah. modern era, uh, besides being a he or a she, it could have been a they could as have well. been a they. Like, that would have been nice, but this was mid-90s and people didn't know anything, Yeah, so yeah, that's, <laughs> that's we bottom yeah. line. did the best I we did, could at the time. Yes. Um, I'm not so bothered by by her being so sweaty, I, I really didn't think of it the way you thought about it. I mean, thank you for bringing up that, that view of, of how you saw it. I've never thought of it that way. Um, so it's good to see the other, the flip side of the coin on that. Um, I did think that it was, it was a nice little bit of backstory that we learned a little bit more about Ocompens that, And mm. we know the meaning of the word elogium, the title of this episode, is yeah. a time of change when the body prepares for fertilization. We learned that a mitral sac is where the Ocampan child will grow and it's located on the back, you know? So mm-hmm. instead of having a child gestate uh, uh, inside your belly, like humans, it's on the back, and the upper back for O'Compens, which was mm-hmm. interesting. And I thought, and when Janeway, Janeway kind of rubs it. I'm like, wait a minute, what are, you don't even know what, yeah, what are sometimes you doing? You, that might've, thing. You, you, might've, you might've killed the sack, you know, by doing that. What are you touching that thing for, exactly? So I by thought, the way,
1: I was thinking if they've, if this is the only time she's fertile, has Kess and Neelix never had sex? Like, have they never consummated in some sexual way their relationship because she hasn't been fertile, so they haven't done this. They haven't done this this mating ritual, whatever that involves. But have they done some other version of of sexual connection?
0: Well, I'm sure they have. I mean, they had they had to have some type of sexual uh, connection because I don't like know. If, let's just take the example of humans. I mean, a woman, uh, going through, uh, you know, there's a, a certain period in, in the month where she is the most fertile and that's when she gets pregnant. All the other times, she's not gonna get pregnant. So, you know, there's times that you have coitus and, and a male and a female and, and, and there is no baby that, that, that manifests, right? But other times, it's just- I guess,
1: I guess what yes. I'm getting at is like, the reason that sex is enjoyable is it is an incentive for procreation. It's an incentive for humans Correct. to keep doing it Correct. so that we have babies. It doesn't Correct. hurt. It doesn't it's not unpleasant. Right. So the reason that we have sex, the reason it's enjoyable, the reason we have sex ultimately is to procreate even though we do it for the enjoyment as well. I guess that's what I'm saying is like, well if you take that factor out of cats, that that her mating happens once in a lifetime and it's not enjoyable. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty unpleasant from what it looks like. Um, so there's no, you know, pleasure incentive for, for procreating. Um, then are they just doing something else that's romantic and affectionate that oh, we wouldn't call you sex? Yeah. Are they just cuddling and that's that feels good? But I, I don't know. It was just an interesting thing because I thought, well, procreation is all tied into physical pleasure. Because yeah. that is all an incentive for the the, the species to procreate yeah. and keep going. Um,
0: yeah. Another question for Ken yes. Biller or Jerry Taylor to answer. That's, that's right. <laughs> One of the writers can
1: help us with this. I'm going to go. Um, with Neelix and Kess have never had sex. It's just not part of their their. Uh, it's not part of their relationship.
0: Okay, I'll buy that. I'll buy that. So just foreplay only with Neelix. And I don't Kess. even know if that's foreplay. I don't
1: know if that is part of having a relationship. You know there are people who are asexual who don't, for whatever reason, don't um, participate in physical sex or things like that.
0: Um, yeah, like you uh, and I, we have a relationship. Exactly. But I don't participate in physical sex <laughs> yes, with you, Robbie. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. So Neelix and Kest are like you and
1: I. They have a podcast, <laughs> and and
0: they and they wear cool hats. Yes. Uh, there are two times that I my mind started. I don't want to say I was, my mind was blown, but it's definitely got me thinking. That conversation that Janeway has with, I guess it's Chakotay about it being a generational, like she never thought of this as a generational. Me too, I'm totally with you, yep. Uh, and I started thinking, oh my gosh, and Chicote says, like, yeah, um, we're gonna start having, we're, we're, we're gonna start to need replacements for the crew in about half of the 70 years that it takes to get yeah. back there. In so about 30, 30, 35 years, we're gonna be Everyone's gonna, gonna, gonna have to have kids, yes. And I, I kept thinking, oh my God, that's know, that, so nuts. Like whoever thought of that, too. it was a mind blower. It was definitely a, 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 a little like, what, right?
1: But it blew my mind too. And so much that I thought that's a really important issue that we never deal with again. Like they bring mm. up this one episode and there's really, I don't think any other kids on the ship, but there's Naomi Wildman comes around and that's it.
0: Right. That there's, is it. There's no, no other kid until Alana no
1: <laughs> and Tom have a kid, but by then we're heading home. Um, that's so true. Um, yeah, we would have been screwed if we had tried to, you know, do this whole trip without people having... A significant number of kids or right. figuring something out or you know creating them in test tubes like I'm sure they had the ability for in vitro kind of you know test tube babies or something at that point.
0: Um, the yeah. other my mind was blown moment was Kes giving us further Ocampan backstory talking about the epaciphor the epaciphor is basically. Sticky hands. Yeah yeah when she said like we have to remain bonded for six days. And I wrote down six days, exclamation, exclamation, exclamation point. Like, can you just imagine literally I loved his, I loved of...
1: Ethan's reaction too. Because She's like, he's like, they look at the hands and she says, yeah, we have, we have to stay bonded for six, six days. days and it cuts to him and he's just, <laughs> Oh, it was like the longest like flat, you know,
0: Oh, uh, no, totally,
1: oh, it was so funny. It was yeah. such a subtle,
0: like deadpan, oh, well you awesome. I mean, if you think about engaging in copulation for a six days straight where you're not you know you're you're not pulling out for six days, and that's that's insane yeah. to think of that. so that was a mind blow moment as well as yeah. a generational shift conversation. They talk about um
1: whether or not to have children. Neelix is not ready at this point and he, and he walks out and, uh, and it's, it, it's really kind of, it's troublesome. Like what, what are they gonna do? She's only got this one shot at having kids and it's, it's come you know, unexpectedly, but what is it, what, what's gonna happen? Neelix has a great conversation with Tuvok. I mm. love that pairing. I thought that Tuvok's responses about parenthood were beautiful, uh, they were just beautiful. Uh, everything. That scene was written beautifully. I thought they both played it beautifully in the mess hall. Um, Even when Tuvok says, you know, I I, I have knowledge of your situation and I know that you're struggling to make this decision. Like he was so empathetic and Mm -hmm. Neelix said something like, is it, is it, you know, satisfying and, and, you know, um, I don't know. He expressed some emotions, and Tuvok was like, Well, I don't experience those emotions, but I would imagine that's true. And it was just such a beautiful, authentic, simple way of hearing about parenthood, even without all of the sentimental drip drap about it just from Tuvok's side of things. I thought it was beautiful. I love that scene.
0: Yeah, I liked it too. And what I wrote down was my question for you, since you are a father of three children yes. yourself. Tuvok, I think, has three children. I think we yep. talked about that. Um, and oh, you know, it's the same ratio. Tuvok has two boys and one girl. Have one you have girl. two boys and one girl. So That's true. when you, and your girl is the oldest, Taylor is yep. the oldest. So did you did you initially have that conversation with your spouse at the time? Like, should we, is this too early? Should we have kids now? How did that, how did that happen? Did you have any of the struggles that, you know, Neelix and Kess were going through?
1: Yes. Yes. I mean, you know, uh, if, if, if I'm honest, it's, it's not like every single move that I made in my life was well thought out and well planned. I'll leave okay. it at like that, <laughs> you know, okay. but, but the decision to sort of embrace parenthood was definitely, um, talked through, and, and I think, um, you know, parenthood's a funny thing. I, I feel like, in hindsight, people said this to me, like, oh, you'll never feel ready to be a parent, and that's true. Like, I, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't feel ready at the time. Uh, looking back on it, was I ready? In some ways, yes, and in other ways, no. Like, I did the best I could, just like my parents did the best they could, and everybody does the best they could not everybody is drawn to having children. For me, I definitely was. And so the opportunity, um, just like for Neelix and Cass, like even though it might've been unexpected, you know, when opportunities come along and you're like, whoa, maybe, you know, uh, this could happen right now. It was something I was drawn to. So I was very, very glad to do it. And, it, and, it's, and it's, you know, for me, the most proudest thing that I've accomplished in my life is being a, a parent. Hmm. for better or worse for better or worse as uh you know as much therapy as probably my kids will need (laughs) and and (laughs) that i've needed in my life uh to try to figure out the why of it all and and how to do better um it is the thing that i am that is the most meaningful to me and 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 that's part of when we get to the theme of this episode I'll, i'll share my thoughts about the theme but yeah. it's it's a, yeah, parenthood is a pretty profound and meaningful story area and subject to talk about.
0: So, yeah. Hmm. Okay. The Relesison ritual, I'm sure you wrote something down about that too. Uh-huh. Where one of, one of the Ocampan parents have to massage yes. the feet of their their yes. child until their tongue begins to swell. Oh my God, I wish I could talk to Jerry Taylor or Ken Biller about this, like who wrote this part about the tongue beginning to swell. But when Neelix gets a little freaked out that like, he's like, why is the doctor doing this? But he's more, he's more upset because the doctor is a hologram and not, you know, somebody with actual ah uh, right you know, cause he was mad about, the doctor the hologram telling him to leave sickbay and now he's mad about the doctor performing relisis and the massaging of the feet you know and so yeah. there's no but little does he know that doc zimmerman is in love with Kess and would love Kess to be kes zimmerman and the rubbing of the feet was kind of creepy you know yeah. what i'm saying i mean it was yeah. like okay and and you know in a way it was like, you should, Neelix, where's your, where's your jealousy toward the doctor? It should be- I, I know that's what I'm
1: saying. I felt that way earlier when he was in, uh, you know, in the earlier scene. Yeah. Yeah. I think that um, it's an interesting time as Neelix talks to Tuvok and Cass talks to the doctor about parenthood and just sort of experiencing all of those questions and decisions. Um, and, and the idea of, Kind of our biology versus our intellectual choices. Yeah, you know how to how to balance the value of both of those things. Yeah, yeah. Back on the bridge, the crew tries to deal with the situation, and and Jane, Janeway orders an impulse burst, but uh, the creature doesn't go away. In fact, with the impulse burst trying to get out of there, the creature starts slapping our ship, and yeah. start, we're starting to get into like a slap fight with the big giant alien. That they refer to as he, our sexually dominant uh, rival, yeah. With all of these tiny little sperm aliens that are flying around, <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Um, so with this aggressive action, we come back to, into Act Five, and and uh, and uh, and now we're having to make this decision: like, are we going to be defensive? Are we gonna? Are we going to use force? This thing is hitting us. Well, we haven't.
0: We are- that's not the decision we're making. We've already used force. We're like we're matching aggression with aggression. With aggression, right? yeah. Chicote says, A. Wait a minute. That's right. Uh, we need to do something. We need to do something to make it look like we are more submissive and not aggressive. So he suggests mimicking the smaller what the smaller little um, you know organisms are doing, and then Kim comes up with, "Hey, venting plasma residue might make us look blue." And then that suggestion combined with Tom Paris's good piloting skills to roll Voyager on its belly, on its underside, yeah. that Paris-Kim team-up is yes. what saves
1: yes. the day. Saves the day. Saves the show again. Another, yes. another Harry Tom saving the <laughs> Voyager again. Happens every week. It's uh, amazing. <laughs> yeah, so we do the submissive behavior. We vent the the warp plasma, we turn blue, uh, uh, there's barely enough power doing this to be able to flip over, but we do flip over on our back and look submissive and all of a sudden, the sperm aliens start ejecting themselves and detaching <laughs> and going to hang out with the strong, dominant yes. sexual creature,
0: the large guy. And so we've, we've survived, we've survived. Right. And this is when Tuvox says his immortal line, it appears we have lost our sex appeal, Captain. So that, what yes. a wonderful line of comedy from Tuvok right there. Yes, no more sex appeal.
1: Yes, there were some some amazing some ama- amazing lines. Uh, earlier, Chakotay said, if the smaller creatures are sexually attracted to our subspace...
0: Uh, are you gonna say subspace bacon?
1: I don't know, I wrote down the wrong word in my <laughs> quote then maybe the large one will perceive us, perceives us as a rival. I just, I can't believe some of the lines about sex that we're talking about with these aliens that look like sperms yes. and, the big, and the big slap fight. It's just yeah. it's too much for me. Yeah. Uh, it was very funny.
0: And oh, and then we end on, on the, on the um, information that Wildman's pregnant. So which is, yes. you know, it's yes. a big deal. That's we end deal.
1: with Wildman coming in and saying she's pregnant, which by the way, makes no sense because she got pregnant from her husband who was in the Alpha Quadrant. but D Space Nine. Yeah, but she's been in the Delta Quadrant like how long? We're in season two of our show.
0: This is still only like a few months, though. It hasn't been like a year, right? But she
1: didn't I... learn that she was pregnant for months. Like she a human person has their period every 28, every Let's say months.
0: it's, okay, but then... Let's face it, women misses, women will miss periods and it doesn't mean they're pregnant, right? I don't know, you know what I'm stress. saying. Like
1: We're literally I, in season
0: two. I know, but I think your time is, I think you're looking at the time differently. Like if this was like a month and a half later after leaving DS9, would that still, would you buy it then? That she wouldn't- Maybe, you know, but then in a month months? and a
1: half, we've we've, we're on, I don't know how many episodes, 20 some episodes at this point. We've done all of those things in a month and a half like literally every other day where I, I, we would be exhausted by now. Like if we didn't have some time where nothing happened, where like a couple of weeks went by and we were just flying through space. We're like like the US
0: Army.
1: If it's only been a month or six weeks since we left the Alpha Quadrant, I mean, (laughs) Captain's hair should be sticking out everywhere and we should be walking around like, what's gonna happen today?
0: Oh my God, what's
1: gonna happen today? (laughs) Like,
0: <laughs> you do remember the U.S. Army commercials as like, we do more before 6 a.m. than yes. most people do yes. the entire year or something. Yeah. Well, that's us. We do okay. more in, in a month and a half than most people do in a, a decade. Wow. That's
1: I don't crazy. know. It's just I found it confusing that we're in season two and a character walks in the captain's office and says, hey, my husband back home, uh, I guess we got pregnant before we left. What? We're two <laughs> years into this show. You're
0: equating you season two with the second year, but it's not the second year, Robbie. But you know We're, what I'm saying.
1: I do know what you're saying.
0: It's I do just, not. It's, it's
1: no. the perception. I know the perception, that. Log- yes. I know that logically we can like we can go through the timeline and go. Sure, we've been watching this show for a year and a half, but only you know 34 days have gone by. But <laughs> and if that's true, then we should be addressing that. That like wow every you know this is like we've only been in space 34 days and all this has happened we're not going to survive seven years like (laughs) there's no way anyway you get my point okay what's your underlying meaning it's the question of what is the most what is the most important driving point you know driving quality in our lives is it our biological urges or is it our intellectual will and priorities that we choose biology or choice, you know, nature, nurture. Okay. What about you?
0: Well, I have a couple. Oh Um, boy. Yeah. It starts with the, the issue of trust. Yes. Between um, Cass and Neelix and Neelix's, um, you know, comment of, it has nothing to do with trusting you. It's him I don't trust, and so yes, it has everything to do with trusting the other person. So trust is key. You can't, you cannot put that argument. You can't make that, that that argument that oh no no it's his fault. I'm not worried about you. It's about him. He's the he's the dastardly dude who's gonna mm-hmm. come here and move in on my gal. You know. Mm-hmm. No, I mean that's the, that's the problem with with most relationships and and the trust issue is that. You do have to trust the other person is going to be able to handle themselves if it turns out to be that the other person is making over um, overtures towards your mm-hmm. significant other, right? Mm-hmm. You have to have that trust. Otherwise, you're going to be living in this crazy state of like, you know, um, always looking behind your shoulder every second. And you just mm-hmm. can't live like that, right? Yeah, I get if so. someone's mm-hmm. going to want to be with somebody else, they're going to go be with somebody else. It doesn't matter, you know, that's just the mm-hmm. way it's going to be. Um, so really, I, I saw that as one of the themes, just, just trying to trying to not eradicate, but just control the jealous green eyed monster, you know, Mm -hmm. that is known as jealousy. Mm -hmm. And part of it, most of it comes from, you have to be 100, 150% aboard on the, um, the notion of trust, which Mm -hmm. is you have to trust that person unconditionally, unconditional trust, right? And don't, doesn't matter who else is involved in that situation. It's just you and the other person. Um, My other underlying theme was um, it had to do more with what happened between the crew or Janeway and the crew and the aliens. Um, Like, you know, so many times people feel like, okay, you know, we must answer this one aggressive move or what Mm -hmm. what we perceive as an aggressive move towards us. We must answer that with aggression. And that is the only way that we will survive. And in this case, no. I mean, to take to be passive was the way that we got out of this situation. We didn't lose any respect for doing that. We didn't lose any any lives. None of the none of the alien organisms were killed in the process. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we it was a peaceful resolution. So really, I think the underlying messages is messages to, as human beings, we must constantly search for a peaceful resolution you know? Um, Mm -hmm. and then if you take the path that you don't typically take, sometimes the results are amazing. And I'm going to quickly tell you guys about a story when I was on a flight and the flight attendant sat there and I asked her for another, she gave me one ice cube. I said, could I have, could I have a couple more ice? Can I have some more ice? And she looks at me, she goes, do you know how short this flight is? I don't have time to give you any more ice. And I sat there for the next five minutes with a cart. The beverage cart was right next to me with the little ice section where I could have easily scooped up more ice for myself, but I didn't. I just sat there just kind of simmering and just angry. And I waited until we landed and the flight was between Vegas and LA. So it's a 42 minute flight. I get it. It's quick. But she barked at me and I was ready to to kind of dress her down. So I waited till everybody got off the flight. And I was the last one on and I walked up to her she saw me and I saw her dig her heels in I mean she was ready she was ready to just you know just like Bellana Torres she was ready to go pound for pound and I sat there and I was ready to just dig into her but the last second I changed because I sat there and I said ma'am you know I just what happened earlier over the ice me asking for ice and you telling me no and You know, here I am trying to to develop, you know, a relationship with this airlines and get a higher status. I've been flying exclusively on you guys. And then I looked at her and I said, let me ask you one question. And I said to her, what is happening right now in your life to cause you to treat a passenger such as myself? with that type of disrespect, is what I said. Like, is there something going on that I don't know about? And she was just waiting for me to call her all types of names and say, you this, you that, how dare you? Don't you know who I am? I didn't, I just asked her that one question and it just took her off. I mean, literally, it completely, Hmm. um, it shocked her. And she looked at me and she was like, and then all this emotion came out of her. She said, I just got, I just got kicked out of my apartment. My mother has cancer, my, all this stuff came out and she started crying. Wow. And then at the end of it, I just, I just hugged her and I said, listen, you know, we all have problems. We all have problems outside of our job. Try not to take it out on any other passengers this week is what I said. And I hugged her and I walked off the plane. So that was it.
1: I think we covered a lot more territory than I ever expected. On this we went day. on
0: tangents. We did. Right? We apologize. Yeah. We went on a bunch of tangents. So, But thank you guys for listening in. Um, tune in next week when we will be reviewing Non-Sequitur. Thanks for tuning in, guys.
1: Thanks, guys. See you next week. See you next
0: week.